Which Utah Utes are in for a big game in Corvallis in this top 20 matchup between the Utes and Oregon State Beavers? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. everyone and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. If this is your first time joining our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. We're actually closing in on 2,000 subscribers so seriously, if this is your first time, really quick just hit that subscribe button and can't thank you guys again enough for those of you who already support our show. My name is JT Wister, so former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department and on today's show we're going to be previewing the matchup between the Utes and the Beavers and talking about the individual players I think for Utah on the offensive, defensive side the ball that I think for big there I think are in for big games. Also going to be talking about what I think this means for Utah if they win or lose on Friday night. Also, very quick for those of you who listen on YouTube, I am I apologize we are not in our normal setting and we will be back in a somewhat new setting a little bit uh coming up next week and uh even for my show tomorrow night post match. So uh we'll get back to normalcy very soon, I promise you. But let's start diving into this game while we have an opportunity. So the first thing I uh, kind of posed and I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and predictions on all these stats. Um, always try to get to as many of the comments as I can. And I uh, apologize for not being more on top of that this week. I'm going to change that for this Friday show. But as for the, my first question I kind of posed, will Nate throw for over 200 yards? I, I think he's got a chance as much as you'd be like, that's insane. I don't think any – look, Cam Ward is – Cam Ward's a better quarterback than Nate Johnson through this point, right, for what he's accomplished in his career, all that. No one would have thought Cam Ward would have thrown for 400 yards. And I, I think Oregon State is really going to prioritize in this matchup against Utah trying to stop the run looking to stop Jalen Glover. If, if um, We know Jalen Glover is going to play, but Jaquinda Jackson, I think there's some injury stuff up in the air if he's going to play or not. Um, so those are two guys right there, you know, and with this rushing attack, that's what Utah wants to do, even when Cam's healthy. They want to reestablish them, run the ball. That's just the way Utah likes to play football and get it going on the ground. Oregon State's going to pack the box. They're not going to want to let Utah do it. Washington State barely rushed for over 100 yards in last, last Saturday's showdown. And I just, it's going to be hard for Utah to have success on the ground. I do think they'll have some, and I'm going to talk about that in a second too. But I I think there will be opportunities for Nate to be had on the outside. They're going to play one single high safety. And I'm curious to see how much separation the corners yield. Are they going to get be press man, play right in the play right in Utah's faces? Are they going to play an off off coverage a little bit, give give that little bit of cushion? Because Oregon State's corners did struggle a little bit. Mentioned the 400 yards passing, Um, they gave up some big plays. And Nate might have a chance to take advantage of one or two of those. But I think a lot of Nate's success can come on dink and dunk short yardage stuff. When you have guys like Mikey Matthews, another guy in Money Parks, too, whose speed and kind of shiftiness can threaten the defense, there be those guys would be a little scared about getting beat for big gains. I think the shorter routes could be there. Those quick little corners, comebacks, stop routes, all that kind of stuff, I think can be there for Utah's receivers. I think Devon Bailey with his big body, even a guy like Thomas Yasmin, too, and his strength and ability to haul in the ball, I think all those could be useful. Utah is not going to have – have three plays over 50 yards throwing the air. If they did, more than likely that was just poor. Ex- I mean, anytime you have three plays over 50 yards, that's kind of poor execution on the defense's part in a lot of ways, but especially in this game, because that's just not what the Utah offense has done this season um, outside of the, the one game against Florida, which even that play was just not kind of conducive for what Utah has done, obviously, throughout the season, is that was clearly their longest touchdown of the year. So I, I really think Nate has a chance to throw for 200 yards. I'm going to say he just goes under. But I think he's going to have I think he's going to have 180 yards in this game. I actually believe that. I do think this game's going to be close. For those of you who listened to yesterday's show, 
Yes, based on all the facts present right now with a few, a few key injuries for this Utah football team, as of right now, I think you, I predicted Utah lose this game. I hope to be wrong. I want to be wrong. Utah can absolutely win this game, but just looking at it and trying to evaluate it unbiased, it's hard for me to pick this Utah team to win on the road in a place where very few teams win on the road without some of their top football players and when their offense did look lackluster last week. And to me, I saw issues offensively that might need more fixing over the bye. And as I've also talked about all week long, it's offensive line, it's play calling, it's quarterback play. It's all those kind of things that I think you just might need a little more time on the bye. You can continue to win games at home, and regardless of how this game plays out, Utah's going to win against Cal. I truly believe that, even if Cam Rising doesn't play, and we're not expecting Cam to play on Friday, and there's been no positive reports. I believe it was Josh Newman of KSL.com who said the initial word on everything was that Cam is is more it's more than likely just going to be Nate Johnson who's getting the start, which fits what we should be expecting after what played out last weekend. Yeah, the, the cam carousel is going to continue. But I do think Nate, like I said, will have success on those shorter throws. I think he will have one big play in this game at some point with his arm, actually. I think Utah will have one completion over 20 yards. They've had they had the two big ones to Devon Vele. And just with Nate at the helm, they've kind of had the opportunity. Even against Weber State, they nearly had a big play when uh, Money Parks' arm was held, so we couldn't bring in a, a big gain down the field at one point, too. So, yeah, I, I think Nate's going to have a very, a, still a very good day passing. And I'll say this. I think Nate will – I'm gonna go, I'll probably go one interception for Nate in this one. I think that when you look at what Oregon State's defense can does and Utah might fall behind, so pushing the ball a little bit. I think Nate might have one turnover in this game. I, I don't think it will be through him fumbling. I think he's going to do a better job with his ball security this week, but I just think it's a credit to the Beavs defense that I think Nate might have one interception in this one. Um, so that's, I think the throw game is kind of going to go for Utah. I'm not predicting a Utah receiver to go over 100 yards. I did that last week. I'm not going to predict a Utah receiver to go over 100 yards until I see a Utah receiver go under 100 yards, or at least until Cam Rising's back, right? Because that's when Utah will open up the playbook more. We'll see the passing game more so get going. But I do think – I think Money Parks is a good chance to lead Utah on catches in this one just because of the threat his speed poses and how he could get open on some of those shorter routes. I do think Vele and Mikey Matthews will kind of be the three guys for Utah passing game-wise. And I, I think – oh, I'm really hoping Thomas Yasmin can get more involved in the passing game, something they suggested they'd like to do. Uh, a little more of two. So I'd love to see them just give him a chance on a fade in the end zone. I mean, look at his size, his leaping ability. Like I, I think Yasmin would be able to win a lot of those 50 balls. So uh, hopefully that's something Utah turns to if they're in a, a gotta have it type of situation. Um, as for the ground game, I do think Utah gets over hundred yards rushing. I think the offensive line for the youth versus the Oregon state defensive line is going to be a very physical and back and forth battle. But I do believe it's one that Utah is going to have success in probably more times than not overall. And yeah, Utah is going to be in some third and long situations, but I do think that this Utah team is good. It's going to be a very similar thing where we're going to see a decent amount of punts in this game again. I'm sure, like I said, a lot of trading blows, like successful drive, unsuccessful drive. That's what I kind of see in this game. And it, it could be a lot of unsuccessful for Utah based on what we saw against UCLA. But I do believe that Bruins defense right now is playing at a higher level than this Oregon State one is because of some of the key losses they suffered from last year. They're better offensively than they were last year, and they're worse defensively, this Oregon State team. I think that's pretty clear based on what's played out on the field so far. So a uh, good battle back and forth in the trenches. I think Utah will get right around 150 yards rushing. I could see 130 to 150 just because they're going to be facing a packed box. Utah at times will be able to block everyone in a look textbook, and at other times it's probably going to be a tackle for a loss and put this offense in second and long, and it's where they're going to struggle. 
And Andy Ludwig, I think he knows he has to be aggressive. I'm anticipating quarterback run game. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Nate Johnson led Utah in rushing in this one, even though I think Jaquindon and Jalen are both capable of making plays. I just think having that running back act as the extra blocker will be a huge asset for Utah in this one when you have a physical Oregon State defense. One, I said UCLA is better, and I think they are, but I still think this is a very good Beavers team and one that deserves to be in the top 20, even if they somehow lose to Utah, even if they, not somehow, but even if they just lose to Utah in this one. I, I still think this is a good team. It's just they played two better teams so far this season and you get a team like they faced last week in Washington State who I think is really good right now and it's tough to win it win all the road as we've talked about a lot it's another reason I think Utah could be could potentially be in trouble for this one but so I think the offense has a modest day I predicted 20 points for them yesterday I'm gonna stick to that uh, a couple of touchdowns and then some field goals and this one is what I'm feeling for Utah's I think they'll stall a little bit in the red zone just because that's kind of how the trends have been playing out for the Utah offense but I, I definitely hope to be wrong when it comes to some of these offensive predictions and uh, now I want to be give you some defensive predictions that I hope to be correct and I hope because I do think the Utah defense is going to have another strong outing although it could potentially be their weakest of the season just because they have been set such a high and unrealistic bar for defensive success not allowing multiple touchdowns in a game through four weeks so far is incredible. So I'm going to tell you what I think the Utah defense is going to do in one moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Nutrivol. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrivol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair, no drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrivol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. You can go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz, and you can identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will get you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. And it works. In clinical studies, 84% of men show improvement in their hair after six months, taking Nutrafol Men's Hair Growth Supplement. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That's all caps, no spaces, LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com slash men spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter the promo code locked on college. That's neutrafall.com slash men promo code locked on college. Also want to talk to you guys about another sponsor of today's episode in UCCU. Learn and earn the UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids, they look to their parents to become more financially literate, but parents, they don't always know the answers. Learn and earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia, and they can occur and be redeemed for points that can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and more. There is age-appropriate content for every member of the family who compete against each other and track their progress on leaderboards. Learn and earns inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so play it anytime, anywhere. The more you play, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. Learn and earn part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents save more while becoming more financially literate together. UCCU. Love where you bet. All righty, coming back into this one. Defensive predictions. And in the stat kind of lead I laid out here, I said, will Utah have five sacks? I think they're going to finish with just under five sacks, but I do think they're going to get an impressive three or four. I probably lock in 
at three. I think Oregon State is going to realize, ah, you know what I'll go for? I'm, feel, I'm feeling optimistic about the defensive performance. I'll go four sacks for the Utah defense. I, I just look at how successful this defense was getting home last week, and I think that uh, I think that's going to continue. I see both Logan Fano and Jonah Ellis getting home, and then I think it'll be like something like a Sione Baki blitz that gets home. I could definitely see one of the D tackles getting a sack if someone steps up, but uh, I also really like Lander Barton to get a sack in this one. I don't think he had one last week. He forced a big fumble, though, of course, so I, I do think that Utah – is able to get get some pressure on DJU, force some errant throws, but and I've said this multiple times now. This is where me and Spencer of uh, Lockdown Pac-12 we disagreed a little bit. I, I think DJU did play pretty good last week. Still, I know the stats weren't amazing. Seventeen for thirty-four is never fantastic, but you look. He was, I thought he was under duress at various points too, and I just saw a number of nice throws throughout that game. And I also thought he played much better in the second half. And you look at that and you're like, okay, played better in the second half, and he was on the road last week even extra motivation because you know your season and everything you set out to accomplish in terms of winning a Pac-12 championship is going to be on serious life support if it doesn't work out in this game. And then obviously you're any hope, and even though it's already on a very, very slim chance of making the college football playoffs since you lost a game already early in the season, is another thing that's dashed. And I got to believe with the expectations that DJU had set for him at Clemson, he's going to be looking to achieve a similar success and try and coming just came into the season looking to be like, hey, let's try to make a playoff push with this squad. They, I'm sure they thought they had the talent in the locker room, and they probably think everything is still in front of them. So that, that's another thing I think could be interesting looking into this matchup. And I, I do think DJU is going to play a decent game. I think Utah will get to him, pressure him at times, but I also think the Oregon State offensive line, they're really good. Joan Ellis is going to win some, some reps. Logan Fonnell, the entire defensive line, but the Beavers offensive line is going to hold up in protection. When you get an offensive line that operates this level, that's what they're going to do. The battle of the running game is also going to be fantastic in this one. But before I get too far ahead of myself, I should uh, give some statistics for what I do think Utah will hold DJU to. I think DJU has a solid outing in this one. I think it's an efficient, like 230 yards. I, I And why I say 230 yards, I think he'll be protected at times. And I think this is the game where we've kind of seen just cracks at moments in the Utah secondary. They're a very good secondary. But I think a couple times throughout this game, uh, we'll see the receivers make a play for Oregon State. And we'll see DJU make a throw. We're going to see Zamaya Vaughn, Miles Battle, JT Broughton. They're going to make plays and step up too. But I think it'll be a combination of, look, it's just hard to keep. It's just hard when the offenses keep ramping up to execute at the level the Utah defense has, right? So I, I do think this is a game where we see at times the Utah defense give up a big player too, because they've been very close to doing that the past couple of weeks. I think this is the game where it happens. I think there'll be two or three plays over 30 yards that actually might even go four, I'll go two or three plays over 30 yards and maybe one or two other ones over 15 to 20 yards for this Oregon state offense. I think they'll have a couple of big runs or two. And I think a couple of big plays through the air. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a touchdown scored over 40 yards because it often miscommunication or just, uh, a defender get or a receiver getting behind these Utah DBs. It's happened a couple times, and I just I just think this is one where this offense will be the best offense they've played this season. Uh, they'll have success against that, and it's no indictment against the Utah defense. They're just on a pace that is just really difficult to to, to maintain. And maybe they're they'll get some of the injured players back. That's another thing we just don't know what's up in the air. And maybe they'll have they'll be able to hold Oregon State to ten points at home. But that just like saying that out loud, that just is so hard to do to hold the team to ten points in their building when they are a top 20 team. There's a reason Oregon State is ranked. They're a really good, talented roster who lost to a very good, talented Washington State team too. So, yeah, I think DJU has some success through the air. I actually don't think he turns the ball over in this one. I definitely could see it. Um, I could see a, a strip. I will say, I don't, he doesn't turn the ball over through the air. I do think he'll get strip sack once. I think Jonah Ellis gets a strip sack. I think he gets home once, forces the ball out, and that'll be one of the big plays Utah needs to hang in this game 
for a while. Uh, Tackles-wise for Utah, I I think Karene Reed will end up leading Utah in tackles in this one, although with how Utah is going to pack the box, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Cole Bishop, Sione Vaki um, led this team tackles. I expect to see a lot of Teo Johnson still as the safety up top just because of how good Sione and Cole Bishop are playing close to the line of scrimmage for their blitzing ability. Uh, they can cover a little bit in that short yard situation, and uh, and they're just such stout tacklers, do a great job of flowing to the ball. Sione Vaki and Kareni Reed. Utah has a lot of good players who tackle in space, uh, but Sione, excuse me, Sione Vaki and Cole Bishop uh, two of Utah's best when it comes to tackling in space. And I think they're both going to have another strong out here. I think this this is going to be a physical back-and-forth game, as I've mentioned. I think that Utah will have some success on defense. I also think Oregon State is going to have some success on defense. And I think both offenses will grind out points. But like I said, in the end, it's hard not to roll with the team that can't like cannot afford a loss, basically, if they want to accomplish anything, versus Utah continues to find ways to win with their strong defense and, and struggling offense a little bit. This just feels like the game where the camel's back breaks a little bit in terms of Utah will have some success offensively, but they're not going to be amazing, I don't think, on the road. It's just tough to do that. And I do think this Oregon State team just at home, DJU, and I still think he's playing pretty well, as I mentioned. I think they make just enough plays. I think they find the end zone a couple times. I actually think they'll find it three times. They'll have to punt a lot for sure, and uh, Bo Meester's booming leg for Utah on the other side punting it will, uh, will be a huge asset to this Utah team. But I, I still am going to stick with my prediction that I made yesterday that uh, – and Oregon, that Oregon State is, is going to win this game. I think it's going to be close. I'm going to stick to 21 to 20. I think the difference is their ability to finish in the red zone where Utah will have moved the ball, and they'll stall a little bit. They stalled against UCLA. Um, they stalled against Weber State, too. It's kind of hard not for – it's hard for me not to be like, oh, yeah, they won't stall on the road in the toughest environment they've played in so far this season because Corvallis is going to be rocking. I don't think it's going to be like Baylor where Utah fans kind of took it over at times and uh, there was a lot of open seats up there. I think Corvallis is really going to show up and show out on this Friday night, and uh, they know how much their football team needs this one, and I think their fans know how much uh, they can impact the game by coming in, make it a a rowdy and a ruckus road environment. This will be Nate Johnson's first road start as a collegiate quarterback. Yes, he had success late in that game against Baylor, but doing it for an entire game is a different thing. I like Nate Johnson. I think he's going to have a very good career at Utah overall. He's already off to a pretty solid start when he wasn't even supposed to be the starter this season. But once again, I just think this is a game where Oregon State makes a couple more plays than Utah in their own building, and they come away with a win. But Utah can absolutely win this game too, and that's what I'm going to be talking about in the second sec, in the the third and final segment. Excuse me, I'm going to be looking at what happens for Utah. What does it mean for Utah if they win, and also what does it mean if they lose? And we're going to be discussing both of those potential outcomes in one second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at eBay Motors passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether in the speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. They have over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for, and with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com motors. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Also want to remind you guys that potentially as soon as you're watching this episode um, and maybe even just at some point throughout the day to check out college football kickoff live each Friday locked on will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every locked on college YouTube channel for college football kickoff live. And they will cover the biggest playoff implication, rivalry games, just heated matchups and the storylines throughout the college football sport that we love so deeply. And they provide only the depth and insight that only Locked On can deliver from their insightful and analysis panels that they have covering each team every day. You can find Locked On College Football Kickoff live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. All right, before we get out of here, talking about what it means for Utah if they win or lose. I like to end on a positive note, even though I, I did predict Utah to lose this game, unfortunately, um, just based on what I've seen from Oregon State and Utah so far. That's just right now where I, I hate to say it. I really do, but just where I probably line up uh, with it. Let's talk about what it would mean for Utah to lose. It, it would hurt because this is a game, when you look at it for Utah, that's like, okay, you have a loss, and it's not even in the toughest part of your schedule. Although I will say, Coming into the season, I think if you told me that Utah started the year 4-1 and one without Cam Rising, I would be elated, ecstatic. I, I would be fired up. I mean, that's just a huge – to have played Florida Baylor, UCLA, and then Oregon State and come out in those matchups 3-1, and one, I would be extremely encouraged by that. If, especially, like I said, if Cam Rising doesn't play, like what I thought Utah would – I was hoping Utah would be 2-3 and or three and 2 or – two and three even potentially just when you look at like, okay, steal one of these games when you don't have uh, who I consider one of the best quarterbacks in college football running your offense. So either way, I think the start to the season for Utah has been a successful one and a, a loss for this team would just, it just makes it tough for them to like make the college football playoff, right? Because it's just going to be very difficult for them to not lose another game when you face Oregon Colorado and I know Colorado got steamrolled. I still think they'll. I still think they have a chance to. I don't think they'll upset Utah, but I just. I'm once again not. I said this throughout the offseason. I'm not falling out of my chair if it happened, because I do think Deion Sanders is doing some good things down there, and I think his team could be clicking and really doing some special things come the end of the season. That I think they're going to go through a slump in Pac-12 play, and they could rise back up come the end of the year when you get a guy like Travis Hunter back healthy, even though he should be healthy in a couple weeks. But uh, either way, like you have to go to Washington. To USC still, to Arizona, kind of a sleeper trap game that Spencer McLaughlin highlighted for us on our schedule uh, preseason prediction. So there's a lot of games on this schedule for Utah where it's just like, man, it's going to be hard for them to go undefeated. And that's not even factoring in if Utah was to lose to Oregon State and not lose another game, more than likely in the Pac-12 championship game. And then you have to win that as well in order to make the college football playoff. And I just that's going to be really tough for this Utah team to do because it's just very hard to only lose one game in the regular season and stay undefeated. It's, it's the reason very few college football programs have done it. And uh, and Utah would have their work cut out for them trying to do it too. So it would hurt for Utah's playoff chances. It does not put them out of contention for the Pac-12 race because I think they can still, even if they suffer a second loss in the second half of the season, just last year, we saw Utah get in the Pac-12 championship game with two losses. Did they need help? Yes, but I still think the count, excuse me, the conference in its final year is going to it's still in some ways show up like it has and, and rear its ugly head as it has when it comes to this just back to the past. It does cannibalize itself. The best teams beat up on each other. And this year, it's not just like good teams losing to inferior teams. It's good teams losing other good teams. And I do think that's going to play out. So I still think the Pac-12 championship is on the table for Utah. It's going to be really hard for them to lose this game and make the college football playoffs. So that's where it would be a disappointer. But 
this, their, their hopes of three-peating would still be very alive and well, even if they could not exit Corvallis with the W. But if Utah were able to walk away Friday night under the lights with a win, what would that mean? That would be in, that'd just be great. I mean, the conversations we could start to have around this Utah football team, if they were 5-0 and without Cam Rising, that would include two wins against top 25 teams and a win against a, a Florida team that's now ranked in the top 25 where Utah made them look abysmal, and now they started to get together. And even a Baylor team in Waco, I think, is going – Baylor, when they get teams in Waco, they're going to beat some of those Big 12 teams too. So to be – Five and zero, and play played four Power Five teams with several starters out, including your top pass catcher and one of the best quarterbacks in college football, would just be tremendous. Then we're talking about this team as this, and if Utah wins, it's because their defense probably really stepped up, and Nate made some plays, and and maybe had. Or probably, if Nate, if the Utah wins this game, Nate probably played his best game as a Utah quarterback. I don't think that's crazy to say. Some of you might go like, "Oh, the Baylor game." Like, yes, best. I said best game, like not best final drive, best overall game, start to finish. That's. I think that's what it would take from Nate Johnson for Utah to win this one, which he's capable of having his best game because of the favorable matchup. I think too, and just as he continues to get more comfortable in this offense, going to be tough on the road, but I'm not ruling out of the realm of possibilities. So, and I, I still think it is a likely outcome that could occur. Not the most likely, but a likely outcome. So, yeah, this this Utah team, I think they're in for a good test. And I, if they can win, we're talking about college football playoff. We're talking about them as one of arguably the favorite for the Pac-12 championship game because I know what USC's done. USC's probably going to take it to Colorado this week. I know what Oregon's done. I know what Washington's operating at, too. But I think I can make a legitimate argument for Utah if you're telling me they're 5-0 and and they played and four of those wins coming against Power 5 teams, two of which will have been on the road and they didn't even have their starting quarterback and some of their top other players in, I can argue when this Utah team's healthy, they'll be the team to beat in the Conference of Champions in its final season. But that argument only exists if Utah wins on Friday night. And that's what's crazy is this game is tonight, as the time you guys are listening to this, we'll probably be gearing up for kickoff. Many of you will be. So let's get it on. I'm fired up about it. I think it's going to be a fun back-and-forth showdown, one that I, if I had a Predicted, I think Utah's just going to come up on the losing end, but I expect it to be a heated back-and-forth battle in Corvallis against two of the top coach teams in the Pac-12 when you talk about what Jonathan Smith has done. And, of course, Kyle Whittingham's the GOAT. That doesn't even need to be said. So it's going to be a fun matchup. Let me know what, below what you guys' score predictions, who you think are going to be the breakout players, who's going to play well, what's going to be the issues for both sides of the ball potentially for Utah or just what's going to go well for them. Love interacting with you guys in the comments. So make sure you guys leave one below. And we will be back with you tomorrow with a post-game reaction show to this one. So make sure you keep your eye on that for it Saturday. But that's going to do it for our Friday show. As always, go Utes.